Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Today I want to talk to you just for a few minutes uh, about surviving the Harveys and Irmas that come to your life. Uh, I, this morning on the way to church, I had a pastor text me. He said, Pastor Eddie, I, uh, he's from Jackson, Tennessee. He said, I saw on Facebook what you was preaching on surviving the Harveys and Irmas. He said, I know Harvey and Irma Schulter. Harvey and Irma Schulter. He said, uh, today they're celebrating their 75th wedding anniversary. She, he is 102 and she is 94. And he said, after 75 years, you learn to navigate some marital hurricanes. <laughs> after 75 years of living together. Look what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening, evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. Verse 37. But soon a fierce storm. Everybody say, fierce storm. A fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. <clears throat> Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Today, those of us who live in the southeastern part of the United States are very concerned about Irma. In fact, they're telling us by Tuesday, what's left over of Irma is coming to our area, to Middle Tennessee. And they don't really know what will be left over, but they know there's going to be rain and they know there's going to be some type of wind and wind gusts that could possibly cause some type of, of destruction. The citizens of Texas and Louisiana over the last couple of weeks understand this destruction as Harvey swept through and dumped feet of water in that area. On Monday of this week, I read a report that FEMA, by Monday, after one week after Harvey, after one week after Harvey's destruction, over 500,000 families, 500,000 families, had already filed claims for assistance from FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Association. That was this past Monday. They were expecting another 500,000 this week. So that'll be a million people just from Harvey are needing a financial assistance because of the destruction that that storm brought, that hurricane brought. We don't know what Irma is going to do. So our nation right now is under a real troubled situation. But let me tell you something. Literal storms and figurative storms are just a part of life. After Irma's gone, there'll be another one. 
There will be another storm. Storms are just a part of life. Since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, storms have invaded our earth. And not only have literal storms invaded our earth, figurative storms invade our life to bring death and destruction. I'm sure many of you sitting here today are in the middle of, some of you are in the middle of a storm. You're in the middle of some type of storm. It might not be Irma, and it might not be the results of Harvey, or it might not be Andrew. It might not be some of those Camille back in 1969 that dis- destroyed the, the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Louisiana. It might not be one of those literal storms, environmental storms, but you're going through some kind of storm. It, it might not be named Irma, it might be your teenager. It might be debt. It might be some type of sickness or disease. It might be a, a problem at work. It might be your marriage is in the middle of a storm right now. But we all deal with storms. And as, as we focused on this Irma right now and what it's going to do, it would behoove us as Christians to see how de- Jesus dealt with storms. We just read it. He had storms. He dealt with storms. He lived in a time where they still had storms like we have storms. And he had a plan of attack to survive the storms that came to his life. Here's the first thing you and I need to know. The power of God, and God's power is still available, but the power of God can stop some storms. Let me say that again, Amanda. The power of God can stop some storms. Amen. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 again. Notice what it says. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat and his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind. And said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Now for most Christians who believe the Bible, this is our default passage when a storm comes up. I can't tell you the number of times that those tornado sirens have gone off around close to where we live and I'll go out on the patio when that tornado siren and I'll look up in the sky and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. No evil shall befall me. No plague can come nigh you. I tell you to dissipate and go to Woodbury and stay away from here in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'll take my fist and I'll rebuke it and then I'll run back inside and say, man, let's get under the bed, all right? That's our default. That's what we normally do. And that's what Jesus did, and it worked for him. And I can't tell you the number of times that we felt like we were in a threatened situation, and we've spoken to our situation, and it's disappeared. It's disappeared. I guarantee you now that people in Florida and all over the United States are praying, and it's going to cause less damage than they ever thought would happen. Because people are praying right now. The power of God still can calm the storms. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 
Look at James chapter 5, verse 16. Don't ever forget this. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now look at the next phrase. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And not only have Amanda and I felt in physical danger because of storms, I never will forget the tornado that came through Gallatin and. uh I guess that was 2005, 2004, 2005, around there, sometime around there. Casey was at Beach High School, and that thing hit, and I was district superintendent in our office there in Madison, and the tornado was between my office and her, where Casey was in school. And she called us on the phone and said, Dad, they've got us in the hallways, hunkered down. And I, we couldn't get to her. The roads were blocked, trees had already... Power lines were down. We couldn't get to her. And they said, it's headed straight. The weather said, it's headed straight for the high school. And you better believe Amanda and I got on our face in our office and we started seeking God. And that thing immediately turned and didn't even get close to the school. It turned from it. You, you, you could look at the path of where that thing, and it was heading straight for the school. And for some reason, it took a turn. And not a child in that school was injured or harmed. No windows were blown out. And other places was totally destroyed. We've seen God move because people prayed. We've had personal storms in our own life. Personal storms. Not environmental storms, but personal storms. And the Bible says if people pray, it produces wonderful results. It makes power available. So we encounter storms in our life. When we encounter storms in our life, the first thing to do is to pray. Don't get on Facebook and tell everybody about your storm. See, that's what we're doing, and that's the reason we're still dealing with the storm. Instead of speaking to the storm and telling it to leave in Jesus' name, we get on Facebook trying to make everybody feel sorry for us because of the storm that we're going through in our life. And the storm will stay around as long as you pet it. But Jesus decided that he was going to speak to his storm. So what do we do when storms come? Storms of debt, storms of pain, storms of relational difficulty, or environmental storms. One of the things that Jesus did to get rid of the storm is he spoke to it by faith and commanded it to leave in Jesus' name. What else did Jesus do? Because he didn't do it the same way every time. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, surviving the Harveys and the Irmas in our life. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind. Everybody say strong wind. A strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. 
Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they explained. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Peter, Jesus is walking on the water, and here Peter walks on the water. Then he begins to sink. People said, boy, that Peter, he sure didn't have any faith, did he? He didn't have any faith, did he? Well, how do you think he got back to the boat? I guarantee you, Jesus didn't have him by the nap of the neck, and he was under the water, dragging. <laughs> Peter walked back on the water, back to the boat. He had a lot of faith. He had a lot of faith. But let me ask you a question. The Bible says it's a storm. Why didn't Jesus just speak to that one and make it stop like he did the other one? Remember the other one? He spoke to it and it stopped. He didn't handle every storm the same way. See, some storms that come to our life, we speak to. Other storms, if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He doesn't want us to speak to them. He wants us to master them. He wants us to ma- Jesus mastered this storm. Do you realize that the storm, this storm, allowed His disciples to exercise their faith in a distinct way and accomplish some things which would have never been accomplished without the difficulty they were experiencing. Some of us are going through some things right now and you're just wanting out. You're going through a storm and you want out. Let me tell you something. The key is not to get out. The key is to let God show out. See, you're wanting out and God's wanting to show out. He's wanting to reveal His power and His might through you. You are going to get through this thing. You are going to come through with flying colors, but it might not be it just goes away. Sometimes we just have to walk on top of the storm and master the storm and give God room to reveal His power and glory and love and mercy in our life so it will be a sign to other people of God's goodness. Jesus didn't handle every storm the same way. To some, he spoke to, and they disappeared. To another storm, he walked on it. He mastered it. The storm was still raging, but it didn't affect him. He just kept going. And then what about another way? Here's one. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he endured a storm. Sometimes we can speak to them, and they'll go away. Sometimes we just walk on top of them and master them. But sometimes we've got to go through them. I thought you were a faith man. I am a faith man. But I'm also a realist. Sometimes you have to go through some difficult seasons. But even when we go through them, God is with us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 27. This is a great story. Acts chapter 27 is kind of several verses. I want to read it to you. Notice what it says. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Verse 10, notice. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fairhaven was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. Verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south and sailors thought they could make it, they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. 
And a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Verse 16, we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Caudia, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid being driven across to the sandbars of Sardis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Notice they lowered the anchor, put the anchor down, and the wind was so strong it was still taking the ship. Verse 18, the next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Now, here's here's the history of this. Paul is a prisoner. He's a prisoner in transit from Israel to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. And Paul before they ever started, knew in his spirit that they were going to be in trouble. He sensed impending danger. Look at verse 10 again. Acts chapter 27, verse 10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead. This for the wind ever stopped, started acting up, before the rain, before the typhoon or the hurricane came. He says, I sense there's going to be trouble ahead. See, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But here's the truth. Paul was a prisoner. He was unable to remove himself from that situation. Some of us get in storms. We get in the middle of a storm, and we're just the victim of that thing. We just get caught up in it. Now, sometimes we get our own self in a storm. Through, through unwise decisions and actions. But sometimes we know something. How many of you have ever had a situation where you've told people, if you do this, this is not going to turn out right, and they did it anyway, and you're caught right up in the middle of that situation. And that's exactly the situation Paul was in. To the point that the sun disappeared, and it became dark for many days. Look what it says in verse 20. The terrible storm raged for many days, in fact, 14 days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. They thought they were dead. Now let me ask you a question. Why didn't Paul just rebuke the wind like Jesus did? It's not the way the Lord led him to do it. Why didn't he just walk, get out of the boat and walk on the water? Like Jesus did. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. See, a lot of times we're not sensitive to the Spirit of God and we just try to do things the way we've seen somebody else do it. Listen, let's be sensitive and not get so focused on rebuking and resisting the storm that we miss what the Lord is wanting to do for us while we're in the middle of the storm. Okay? In following the Lord... I have learned, personally, I have learned not to spend my time speculating why something didn't happen. Instead, learn from what did happen. 
Well, why didn't God do that? Why didn't God do this? And why did he allow this to happen? And why did that happen? And why did my aunt die? And why did my brother die? And why did this happen? And why did that hurricane come? And why did that drunk driver hit them? And, all, and we, try to spe- we spend all of our time trying to speculate on why God didn't instead of learning from what God did. Okay? Why didn't Paul walk on the water? Why didn't he speak to the storm? We don't know, but we can learn some things that Paul did. We don't know why Paul didn't speak to the storm like Jesus or even walk on the water like Jesus, but we do know what Paul did. Paul prayed earnestly and endured the storm. Though great material loss occurred, Paul and those with him survived, even though the ship itself was destroyed in the situation. But Paul and his friends survived. Look at Acts chapter 27, verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Now that's a bad storm. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me. There's nothing like a preacher who's a know-it-all. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. The truth is, he's right. He said, boys, we're going to get in trouble if we leave here. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your life, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Notice, Paul prayed and God intervened. Even though the people were disobedient to what Paul said to do, they got saved because God's man was on the boat. Now listen. Some storms we will not stop. Some storms we endure through prayer. I wished I could tell you this morning that there's a magic prayer that you just pray this little prayer and everything, every trouble will disappear, every storm will dissipate, every difficulty you encounter will go away. I wish there was one of those, but there's none of those available. Some storms will come, some storms will buffet you, some storms will trouble you, but God will see you through. He will see. Some storms you can speak to by faith, and the word of faith will cause that storm to leave. Some storms, that thing won't bother you. You'll just walk on top of it, and you'll master that storm, and let God show out through what He does in your life. But some storms, you just endure. You just endure. You get through it. Turn with me. Here's a a verse of Scripture. Turn back to uh, Psalm 23 real quickly. Psalm 23, verse 4 and 5. Psalm 23, verse 4 and 5 says this. It says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Verse 5, You prepare prepare a feast for me in the presence of of my enemies. One translation the message there says, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Notice what he says. You prepare a feast for me. You, 
you serve a six-course meal for me, where? In front of my enemies. In other words, sometimes the storms are there, the enemies are there, but God's still going to provide for you. You're going to still get through this thing. So remember in life, whatever your storm is, whatever your storm, whether it's a physical ailment, a financial difficulty, a relational mess, if it's a work problem, or even an environmental storm like we're facing in Florida today, some storms we stop by faith. Some storms we master by faith. And then some storms we endure by prayer. Some storms we stop by faith. Some storms we master by faith. And some storms we endure by prayer. Don't wait. Now listen to this. I'll close with this. Don't wait till the storm threatens to get prepared. Don't wait. Till the storm threatened. I uh, had a lady come up, evacuated, and was here in the first service. She said, Pastor, some people waited till the last minute. They couldn't, they didn't have no gas. All the gas stations were out of gas. They literally abandoned their cars on the interstate and were hitchhiking to try to get out of there. What happened? They waited till the last minute to be prepared. It's not a lack of faith to get prepared. It takes as much faith to get prepared for a storm as it does to get through a storm. Do you hear me? It takes as much faith to get prepared for a storm as to get through a storm. Faith to be prepared is as, as important as faith to be delivered. I'm a faith man. I come from the word of faith camp. And a lot of people say, well, don't worry about it. God will deliver us. Listen, Noah was moved by faith and he got ready for the storm. Faith is not reckless. Faith is not reckless. And faith does not disregard the facts. Faith and wisdom work hand in hand. Faith is not reckless. Faith does not disregard the facts. I, just between service, I checked the, the Weather Channel again, and they were reporting that a, a father had his young boy on the ocean, and the, and the uh, Coast Guard went up to him to try to get him. He said, no, we're going to ride this thing out. And they're expecting 10 to 12 feet of surge, and they were in a small boat on the ocean. He wanted to teach his son a lesson about navigation. Now, listen, faith does not disregard the facts, and faith is not reckless. Faith and wisdom go hand in hand. The idea of preparing for a huge storm did not begin with the civic leaders or with the advent of the weather channel. One of the most remarkable stories in the Bible is Noah. And he prepared. Look at Hebrews eleven seven. Notice what Hebrews eleven seven says. It was by faith. It was by faith. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that he got prepared for impending danger. I'm a pastor, but every once in a while a prophetic anointing will come on me. And over the last several months in prayer, this prophetic comes upon me 
to warn people, there's coming lawlessness in a greater measure to America. It's coming. You need to be prepared. The last days, the last days, we're going to see more upheaval of nature. As the whole earth, the Bible says, groans. It's groaning. It's groaning. The environment is groaning for the redemption of mankind. The environment is groaning. In the days to come, we're going to see more upheaval of nature. Lawlessness. Great shifts in the economy. Great shifts in the economy are going to take place. Nations are going to go broke in the days to come. Some of them are on the verge of broke right now. Nations will go broke. That will cause the economy to tank at different times. It's time to prepare yourself. It takes as much faith. No, we're not going to worry about that. God's going to take care of us. It, Noah was called a faith man because he was prepared for the storm. Well, I can see you're excited about that. Turn with me to Proverbs 21. I'm going to read three verses and then we'll go home. Proverbs 21, verse 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. What's our responsibility? Get prepared. That's our responsibility. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers consequences. And then the final one, Psalm 57, verses 1 through 3 in the Message Translation. It says, Be good to me, God, and now... I've run to you for dear life. I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over. I call out to high God, the God who holds me together. He sends orders from heaven and saves me. He humiliates those who kick me around. God delivers generous love. He makes good on His word. <laughs> I'm hiding out under his wings until Irma passes by. Stand with me, would you? Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.